0: Every Monday morning, I love my front row people. We got a little sleeping baby here. Got Grace. (laughs) Every Monday morning, our staff gets together and we do staff meeting. Anyone else do that at your work? It's a long weekend for us, and Monday mornings are kind of like, oh, we're barely here, but that's what we do. And then we get together and we pray together, and then we do the business really that we need to do. And, uh, the first thing I do when I come here, though, is to go to Rubicon and say hey to Patrick and get my coffee. Got to get my coffee, right? And uh, I did that a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, I saw Patrick there, and he's kind of my little buddy, and I said, Patrick, you kind of seem down today, and he said, well, you know what? I was walking through my community, and I was praying for my community, and I said, wow. If I wouldn't have asked him that, I would have never known that. Patrick walks through his community and prays for it. How inspiring that was to me. And uh, he said, you know, it just seems to me like there's so much evil in the world. He said, it just seems like bad things are happening everywhere and we always have the monitors in there, the news is on. And if you watch the news, it's uh, you see a lot of bad stuff. I just heard someone recently say, I wish there was a network that just did good news. Wouldn't that be nice to tune into that every day? Um, And he said, it just seems to me sometimes like God isn't there. Where is God when all of that stuff is happening? Why is he not responding or why is he not, why don't we see the evidence of him a, a little bit more? And you know, I thought, you know what? That's pretty logical. That's kind of a logical conclusion that we draw, because it seems like things are getting worse, and, and God is all-powerful. Where is he? And just that morning, I had done my devotional, and I, it, in this devotional, it gave me an image that I just loved, that I, I shared with Patrick, and I said, I don't know, Patrick, but here's what I read this morning. It said, I, talking about God, Jesus, he said, I look into the mind, I look into your mind, And I see your thoughts spinning and spinning, going nowhere and accomplishing nothing. And all the while, I'm hovering over you, searching for a place to land. Isn't that an amazing image? Kind of like God's peace is just hovering over top of us. And our our minds and everything about our life is just spinning and spinning and spinning, and it's really accomplishing nothing. But he just wants to find that place in us to land. And so I said to Patrick, I said, oh, he's there. He's there. And it's a common question that probably every single one of us, at some point in our life, when we've been in a tough situation, we've said, God, where are you? I mean, I'm praying. I'm trying to be obedient. God, what, why are you not there? Now, don't be ashamed of that question. Don't. Don't um, get down on yourself for that question because humanly, that's what we ask because it just doesn't make sense that he's not coming through for us. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of like the, this. Things are going okay in our life and then life hits. Watch this. Bad question at all. And I hope that at some point all of us have asked that because it causes us to grapple with that idea, with that concept. God, where are you? Like VeggieTales say, when I'm scared. And uh, where are you? Where were you on 9 11? Where are you when my child died? Where are you when I'm being sexually assaulted? God, where are you? Why are you not coming through for me? It's a a tough question. But here's the thing. I was reminded with my devotional that morning that God isn't the one that's missing. It really is the picture that we've drawn of him that gets twisted. Our picture of him gets twisted when he doesn't seem to come through the way that we think he should. Or that it seems right? I mean, it's only logical, God. I mean, you see this happening. Why would you not intervene at that point when he's not doing what we think he should do? When we just don't feel him, our human minds conclude, well, you must not care. You must not be there. It's normal for us. But it's not in his character to go missing. And we're going to talk about that. It is not in his character to go missing. God wants us to know who he really is. He doesn't want us to have this picture of who we've made up in our mind and just who we want him to be, but he wants us to know who he really is. And what happens is, is we look at him through the lens of our unmet expectations or our wants, and we really create in our imagination a picture of a little g-God And our God becomes much smaller. And then he doesn't come through the way that we want him to. Now, throughout the Bible, we always have to go back to the Bible. Throughout the Bible, God is very, very present. He's present. And through the prophet Isaiah, God said this. He said, can anybody hide from me? Am I not everywhere in the heaven and the earth? And King Solomon said this. He said, the heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you, God. He also said this. He said, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. They're looking on the evil and they're looking on the good. God is everywhere. The Bible makes it very clear that he's everywhere from cover to cover. The Bible tells us of God's omnipresence. Now, you won't find that word in the Bible just like you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible. But it's his character. It's a characteristic of him. Omni means without any limits of time and space. And what that means is that the same God, the same spirit that the prophet Jeremiah was talking about, The same God, the same Spirit that Solomon told us about, the same God, the same Spirit that the disciples knew about and experienced. That same God, because He's not contained by any limits of time or space, is here with us right now. The same one. Our minds can't grasp that, but we can enter into His presence. And we can become aware of his presence. I was walking yesterday, the day before, and it was scorching hot out there, even in the morning. And as I was walking, it was really hot. And this wind came up. It was warm, but it was wind. Now, I could not see that wind. But I got to tell you, it was really, really refreshing. And God's spirit is the same. And when we welcome him, when we usher him in and say, God, you are so welcome here, he smiles and he's pleased. So you can stay seated if you want to, or you can stand and worship, but what I'd like for us to do is just welcome and become very aware of God's presence that was in the Garden of Eden, that was with Jeremiah and Jesus. Let's stand together and welcome his presence. Close nothing can compare I tell you, there is nothing more beautiful than to sense his presence. And it's really a lovely thing to come together and be able to experience that. Even people online can sense the presence of God where they are. It doesn't have to be in the middle of a song. You know, his presence is not dependent on a song, his presence is not dependent on a feeling and how we feel. You know, oftentimes we'll say, Well, I just feel his presence. We can feel it, but it's not dependent on that feeling, on that feeling that you might get. It, it's dependent on the truth of God's character, who he really is, not who we tend to make him out to be. You know, research has shown that our picture of God came out of the University of Michigan years ago, and it stands true still today, that research has shown that our picture of God usually comes from the picture of our earthly father. He may have been absent. He may have been a wonderful father. But our fathers, every single one of them, were flawed. And oftentimes, we make our picture of God out to be of someone in our life that we've kind of drawn a picture, and we, we don't even realize how much we're projecting that picture onto God. And so God wants us to know who he really is. And I'm going to run through these characteristics, the attributes of God, fairly quickly. But here's the thing. Learn these. And there's an acrostic. You know, when I took my state boards, I learned everything by acrostics. I'd make the first letter of something, of a sentence, and I would be able to just spout out a lot of information. Well, I've got an acrostic for you here for the attributes of God, and it's called Wish to Floss Jim Ego." Now, don't take that too far, but that's the acrostic that you can use in order to remember and memorize the attributes of God. Now, here's the thing. We need to teach this to our children. I just talked to a young mom right after the service last, and she said, you know what? I'm homeschooling, and I'm going to teach my children these attributes of God. And I said, there is nothing better that you can teach your children because at some point, they're going to have to understand that you're flawed and they're going to have to get their eyes on God. And they need to learn how to make that separation between putting our faith in people and wanting them to be 100% faithful and trustworthy, which people never will be, and a God who has infinite qualities and mercy and, ke- and so that we can keep our eyes on God. There's nothing better that we can teach our children than the attributes... Attributes of God. First of all, wisdom. God has infinite wisdom. God never makes mistakes. He's a father who knows best. Now, hopefully, we grow up with a father that we can respect and honor, and we know that they know best, but at some point, we have to make a separation from that earthly father and get our eyes on our earthly father. My father died when I was 15, and I think he taught me how to uh, look at a man that I could respect. But then at 15, he was gone. So much of my life, I sort of felt like God was gone because I had been abandoned as a 15-year-old, and uh, I knew God was there, and I knew my father was in heaven, but I didn't even realize how much I had incorporated into my life that God loved me because my father loved me, but he just really wasn't there to, you know, wasn't really personal And I just drifted away from him. So we need to understand that God's wisdom is, is, um, he knows best. And that it's impossible for us to ever understand how he makes his decisions and what his ways are. So we need to give that up. We'll never understand him. But we can trust him. Infinitude. God has no boundaries. Can't measure him. Can't contain him in time. Like I said, he was at the beginning of time. He was with the prophets. He was with Jesus. He was with the disciples. He's here with us today. We'll never understand that, but he goes on for infinity. Infinity and beyond. Remember? Buzz. The S is for sovereign. Sovereign, uh, you know, uh, like with Patrick, we look at the news and we think, man, this world is going haywire. Don't we think that? We have conversations all the time about, are you kidding me? that this is what's going on, but here's the thing. God is still in control. Now, isn't there some comfort in that? I don't care how far out of whack it looks like our world is getting, God is still in control because he's sovereign. The ages were for holy. He's majestic. His perfect purity sets him apart from all of us, all creatures here below. He has no sin. He has no um, evil thoughts in him. The T is for Trinity, and what are the three parts? Well, they're not parts. They're all one. The Father, but they're all God, aren't they? We can't understand that, but that's who our God is. The O is for omniscience. Say that, omniscience. Yeah, it's not omniscience. It's omniscience. Say it again. I like that shh in there. That's why I had you say it omniscience and that means that he's all-knowing now this might scare some of us some of you but it is impossible to hide anything from him he knows everything about you he knows that thought that you have he knows everything he knows even how many hairs are on your head he knows every detail about every single one of us omniscient he's all-knowing he's faithful Everything, everything that God promised is guaranteed. If there's a promise in the Bible and you have given your life to God, to to Christ, those promises are guaranteed. I have, I've had two promises that I have lived by in the last six months. Two promises. The first one is, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I've needed that one. And the second one has been, he holds me in his righteous right hand. I am safe. I am safe. I may be harmed from this world, but nothing can touch my soul because I'm living in the promises of God. He is faithful to me. He has been faithful to me. He has kept me, and he's kept me safe, and uh, we can live by those promises. They are guaranteed. He is faithful. L is for love. God is love. You know, the well-being of every single one of us is his primary concern. He's not off doing something more important. Every single one of us are his major concern. Everything that you're going through in your life, every bit of well-being for every single one of us is his primary concern. That's what he's doing 24-7 because he cares about us. Omnipotence means that he's all-powerful. S is for self-existence. God has no beginning, no end. It's impossible to understand that. He just simply exists. And science and people try to keep figuring him out. And what we do is we bring this infinite God down into the understanding of a finite mind. And we make God so small. We make him so small because we try to understand him. We will never understand his ways if we could just give that up and connect with his attributes, and connect with his character, and live by accessing what he has into our life. And self-sufficient is the other S. God doesn't need our help. Did you ever think about that? He doesn't need our help, but here's the beauty of God. He wants our help. He's willing to partner with us and allow us to accomplish his purposes on this earth. I hope that you are accomplishing his purpose on this earth. Because if you are, you are connecting to the, infin- the infinitude God, the, the, the God of the universe. And he has allowed you to partner with him to carry out his purpose on this earth. J is for justice. God is a just God. He just is. You know, you might want to get back at that person is, that hurt you. Uh, You might want to try to bring justice, but you know what? That's only going to destroy you because God balances the scales. If we can hand it over to him and surrender to him and his will and his character, he'll balance the scales. I is for immutability. That means that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There's comfort in that. M is for mercy. He's actively compassionate. He will love on you. He'll bring about justice, but he will love on you. He is eternal. God has always been and he will forever be because he dwells in eternity. He's never surprised by anything. You know, you get blindsided and you go, oh my goodness, that never happens to God. He knows exactly what's going on. G is for goodness. He's full of goodness. He bestows blessings on all of those who will follow him. And G is for gracious that means that he is a grace giver unlike that guy driving that black pickup truck that i pulled out in front of the other night he didn't give me grace at all <laughs> i thought the and buddy was going to get the crowbar out <laughs> in fact <laughs> I-, I was i was at fault i you know i was going to turn right and like the whole intersection was clear you know how that happens with all those lights changing and everything and so i looked over here and when i pulled out I guess the light turned, and he came, boom! and he did not like that at all, and I said, oh my gosh, I would have told him I was sorry, but as he pulled up alongside of us, he was still going off, and I, but he goes, I said, the redneck's coming out in you, isn't it? <laughs> and, and he said, yeah, and uh, I saw him calm down, and so we turned into Dairy Queen and got a dipped. <laughs> we got us an ice cream cone. <laughs> the man did not give me grace at all. Please, people, I need grace. I need grace. I mess up. I mess up. And if I mess up against you, I would love to tell you I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And But I can't expect out of you what only God can give me. He gives me complete trustworthy. Don't we get other people, don't we want other people to be God in our life? Don't we want them to be faithful and we put our trust in them instead of connecting with the character qualities of God? And then when they let us down, we get so angry and upset when in reality, people will always let us down. But we have opportunity to connect and to access to the one Who will never let us down? Will never let us down. And the O then is the one that is the focus of what Patrick inspired me to do this message. The where is God question? Well, the O stands for omnipresence, He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Now that's a theological term. You won't see it in the Bible, but it means that he's always present in all times, in all places, everywhere. Everywhere. The phrase, "I am with you always." When is he with us? Always. And when will he leave us? When is he with us? Always. What does always mean? Always. always. Even when we have that thought, God, you're just not coming through for me right now. You're not just doing what I need you to do. I had a friend that uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says it, it says, Lo, I am with you always. And he said, That's why I never fly in an airplane. Lo, I am with you always. <laughs> and so he said, I'm gonna stay low. <laughs> But, but God says, I'm even with you in that airplane. <laughs> and he says, I am with you always. I don't care where you are, what's going. And when we can trust him to know what he's doing and know what he's doing best, it changes everything for us when we're connecting with who he really is and not who just we want him to be. That phrase is repeated 22 times in both the Old and New Testament And when Jesus challenged his disciples to take that message to the entire world, including to us here today and beyond, he told them that he would be with us always. When we worship, Jesus said, we're two or more gathered in my name. And there's two or more here, and we're gathered in his name. And there are people in India, and there are people online, and there are people out in Rubicon that have gathered here. There's no other reason to come here today than for the name of Jesus. It's the only re- reason we gather. And Jesus promised, when you gather like that, I'm going to be with you. And I will be with you always. This is a comforting truth. It means we are never, ever, ever alone. We just aren't. But the problem comes when disappointments and bad things happen right? And we begin to forget who God really is. We forget that even when we don't see him working, he's still working. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Even when he's not doing what we, what he, we want him to do, he still has our best interest right there. And it's all about who we trust and whether we're, fe- we're following our feelings or we're following what seems right. And what happens is our faith and our praise begin to shrink and our feelings and our reason begin to lead us. And that God with a little g becomes small. And that lie creeps in. And it says, where God, come on. I need you right now. And then we get angry at God when that's not his character at all. He's not an enabler God where wants, we want something and he sees that it's not so good. You think about your children. I was talking to the young mom, and I said, you know what? Your love, When you, you've taught your little boy not to run out in front of a car. Now, he wants to play in the street, and he thinks you're just a mean old mom. But the reality of it is, that is love. And if we can trust that when things aren't going our way, that God still loves us, that he's still active in our life, even though he's silent. It changes everything when we connect to the God of the universe and not to the God that we've made with our own definition. Because you see, that's twisted. The picture that we create, we draw with a brushstroke of our feelings and our wants and our expectations. And it's not the picture of who God is at all. And so we have to surrender that. We have to, we have to trust his will. And that means that we hand our lives over to a God that will never let us down, even if he doesn't do what we want him to do. Alongside the stories and the miracles and the amazing feats in the Bible, there are plenty of stories when it seemed like God was just not there. Take John the Baptist, for example. Remember him? He was the guy that had eight bugs and dressed weird and had a long... I mean, he looked like the Unabomber, I think. That's how I picture him. And he came along and he said he paved the way for Jesus, the Messiah. He said the Messiah is coming. And people thought he was crazy. They laughed at him. And then, but he wasn't afraid of the truth. And so he, he went to the king, and he confronted the king. And people don't like to be confronted too well, especially if you're a king. And, and he confronted the king, and the king threw him in prison. And here's John the Baptist saying, what, what? I mean, I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do, and I end up in prison here? And he, so I, I just suspect... That, that John the Baptist thought, surely God is going to kind of come through for me here, right? Because I've been faithful to him and I've done what he's needed me to do. And, and I hear this little bit of doubt that starts creeping into John the Baptist. Because it says in there, it says, he, he asked the disciples to come and see him in prison. And he asked the disciples to go ask Jesus, hmm, are you really the one who's to come? And, and, and should we expect someone else? Do you hear that doubt? I mean, here he had given his life for God. He's sitting in a prison, and he's saying, hmm, did I mess up somewhere? And there had to be moments of doubt in him that said, God, okay, it's time. It's time to come through. It did not turn out so well for Jay the B, if you know what I mean. He was beheaded. Now, where was God then? He was right there with John. We don't get that, do we? That does not make sense. And i got to tell you, that doesn't feel good when you think about it. So where is God then? Take Jesus. I can't even imagine, none of us can, what it must have been like to be hanging on a cross, given his life, spent time with these disciples for three years, and he looks down and can't find any of them. And he sees his mother there, but he even says to his father, he said, my God, my God, where have you gone? Why why have you deserted me? Even Jesus had those moments where he said, where are you, God? Where was God then? He was right there. So like I always do, I ask of us to do a little self-exam we have to ask ourselves a few questions if we really observe ourselves how do I respond when it seems that God is nowhere to be found and I really really need him what do I choose to believe do I trust my feelings and the way it seems Because nothing's making sense. And do I allow that little twisted lie to creep in? That picture of God that I've kind of developed in my own mind that is supposed to serve me? Or do I trust what I know to be true about God's nature? About his attributes? Do I connect to that? And then, how does my faith show that I'm connecting to that. We have examples in the Bible of people. David was a shepherd boy, he defeated Goliath, and then he grew up and he failed miserably in his relationships. And he was hunted down by King Saul. King Saul wanted to kill him, he was jealous of David, he wanted to kill him. There was lots of turmoil in David's life. And he had plenty of reason to question God's presence. Yet here's how he responded. He responded with confidence in God's true character. He said, where can I go from you, spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me." Do we have that kind of confidence in his presence even when he's not doing what we want him to do? That's a true test of our faith. Paul and Silas, they were missionaries. They were thrown into prison. Now, I'm sure that it wasn't pleasant, but they chose to sing praises to God. Have you ever thought about that when you're at your toughest time to sing a praise to God? You know, when you come here on a weekend or a Sunday morning and you just don't feel like it, you choose to enter and engage because His presence is there anyway. John the Baptist trusted, even as that knife was cutting off his head. Jesus trusted because he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we have to ask ourselves, the same God, the same spirit, the same character, the same nature of God, where do we place our trust? See, the true test of our faith comes when God isn't responding the way we want him to, when it seems like he's silent, and he does go silent. He did in the Bible, but that does not mean that he's inactive. That does not mean that he still doesn't care about every single hair on your head, about every single thing that's going on in your life. But our human nature pulls him down. And begins to believe the lie. Any description of God apart from the one in the Bible and his true character comes from our own imagination and that's a false God. That's a man-made God. And many of us do that. We create a picture of God that's not God at all. But when we trust in his character, we'll praise him for who he is not for who we want him to be. Even in our pain, even in his silence, even in our darkness and our confusion, see, his peace is hovering above us and it's looking for a place to land. And I believe it's someplace in that space between our feelings and reason and what makes sense and what we feel and who his true character is. And sometimes we just have to surrender and give up ourselves and our pictures that we draw in our own minds, that we've created and connect with the infinite God that he is. We'll never understand it. We'll never understand his ways, just like his little children when we and complain that our father didn't or our parents didn't give us what we wanted. We learn that our father knows best and we surrender our will to him. See, it says that God will keep every promise. His omnipresence guarantees that I am never, ever alone. And it says in Psalms that God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. That means that I can hide in him, that no weapon formed against me will touch my soul, and I can take that to the bank, and that he'll be my strength when I am so weak, he will be strong. That's a guarantee. Be comforted with that. Be encouraged. We can connect with the king of the universe. So this week it just seemed like my life was in turmoil and I really engaged and entered in that space where I let go of the pictures that I've made, my feelings, my reason, trying to get God to do what I wanted him to do and I just worshiped. Sometimes I walked, I I meet him when I walk and I don't walk for exercise, I just simply walk to go to that space and sometimes I listen to music. But sometimes I don't. And and I just really, it takes energy and effort to give up my own thing. And to connect with him. And this is one of the songs that I just played over and over and over again this week. Your face.